What's good, Divine Pill family? So last one for tonight. Um, I always say it's going to be short. Uh, this one, I feel like it is going to be short just because I, I didn't write any notes and I'm just going to go by, you know, trying to get some stuff off of my chest. Um, this one, you know, is going to be about challenging what unconditional love means or the high vibrational definition of helping people. This message, it's one of those things where it's going to be ruthless. I'm going to tell you to be careful who you decide to be a tenant for you. And I don't think that you should be helping some of these people out here who are on the verge of getting evicted. Yes, I said it. So let's go. What's good? Um... I've been thinking because, you know, I've been talking about the guilt that can come, um, guilt consciousness that comes when you get into new levels. Um, I think I've mastered some things at a lower level. Um, and, but I'm going through, um, some things that go with this territory and, um, and so it leaves me in this type of a situation where we've been talking about real estate, right? And everybody knows or thinks or tells you that as a divine mm, feminine, you're supposed to be loving and caring and helping people and um, helping everybody. And unconditionally, you know, if, if people step on you, you still love them. If people abuse you, you still love them. And I think especially, I think part of what is bothering me and um we'll see if i ascend from this or not you're welcome to stay tuned for the journey but um it, it's the whole turn the other cheek mentality and um i do not believe in turning the other cheek as i'm saying that i can see where there's um a little teeny tiny tiny sliver of um, how that can work or some type of law for it. But I'm not really a turn the other cheek type of person. I am a Scorpio son. I have learned not to use my stinger, but I still have a stinger. And if you know anything about scorpions, if they will kind of back up and kind of like, you know, wave the stinger around, but trust and believe that when they zap you, it's lethal. There's a phrase that says like, um, don't sleep on Scorpio because the cousin of sleep is death. And I have used my singer before and I'm more willing to use it with my, you know, if, if you come from my family, I have family that I'm not necessarily on speaking terms with, but listen, okay. So you're kind of wondering what this has to do with, with landlords. We've been talking a little bit about acquiring real estate. Um, one of the things that I am still committed to is making sure that anybody who is a part of my audit, you know, listening audience um, gets into some type of real estate. I understand that it can take time. For me, I think that I'm looking at three years before I get into an investment property. Could be sooner, right? 
Um, but definitely working with within myself and with the collective to get us on track to start to explore what it means to have investment properties and to, you know, have different types of properties where you have like, um, like that you can do Airbnbs are bees on there are strategies. And so I think that most of us are going to want to go into this thinking like, oh, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to help my cousins. I'm going to help my friends. I'm going to help all these poor people. Let me tell you, don't do it. That person that got evicted, and and I'm going to talk a little bit more about about the, the criteria and that type of thing. But if that person got evicted for non-payment, the odds are there that 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 you're the next dummy that's going to sign up for that under the illusion that you think you're going to want to try to help this person and they're going to give you a sob story. And so as I'm saying all of these things, this might not be the, the only time I talk about this. I might have to fine tune the message a little bit, but this all goes back to, you know, how do you use your intuition to decipher if someone is lying to you or being manipulative and um, how to see these red flags coming? I think one of my favorite analogies or metaphors that I have been mentioning and, and would like to use here also is, you know, that that phrase that says um, where people say, don't bite the hand that feeds you. And so right now, without giving too much away, I'm pretty sure I'm really going to buy myself a bottle of champagne. And um, when this situation is resolved, I am going to come on here and I, you're going to hear me pop the champagne and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> and I am going to drag them for everything, for all the... F- the, the punch in the air right now stuff they've put us through and and if you feel the aggravation and you thought that you were going to go into being a landlord and dealing with tenants if you're not picking up on what i'm trying to save you from from all the anger and the fr- frustration and secondhand anxiety that you just felt right now so um that we deal with the phrase, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Another thing I wanted to kind of mention here too was, um, you know, I'm learning to deal with, I guess, my guilt or apprehension with why I say some things. And sometimes I say that maybe I'm being petty or somebody will come around and, and kind of scorn that I'm claiming to be a divine feminine. But one of the things I've been dealing with, with the energy within the last maybe mm, week or two weeks within the last two weeks, more so within the last week is starting to understand that there are things that we're going to oppose. There are going to be things that we um, confront. There are going to be people and energies and systems that we are going to fight. Okay. And um, one of my favorite books, I've already mentioned it at this point. You probably, if you've been listening to my podcast, it's the one that has to do with psychological warfare, right? How to mentally um, subdue your enemy with in stealth mode. And one of the things I will always remember about that book is that the author does a beautiful job at the beginning of the chapter. Um, and he says that you can choose to use the strategies of warfare to create a paradise 
And I thought that was so beautiful and you've heard me refer to it and I'll, I'll continue to allow that to be a part of my being. And so it's, it's in moments like this where I could sound ruthless, right? And I can sound like a bitch, right? And I can sound like I'm being mean-spirited and I'm being hard, mean. But let me tell you what I'm fighting for, okay? What I'm fighting for is to make sure that a good person, a high vibrational person, doesn't have to go through the things that I did, right? And so... If that means that I have to fight that low vibrational energy and make sure that I'm telling you what the T is and I'm exposing that so you don't go through it, if that makes me a bad person, then to a certain degree, I'll hold that L, right? To me, that's part of being a divine feminine. I'm very frank and I'm very truthful. And maybe if these people, you know, who claim to be, Christians or whatever, and they hear this, or you're that type of person where you're kind of been a little bit janky and think that you can just be a Christian, but still, you know, have this low vibrational energy about you. Look in the mirror and fix yourself because this is how you're coming across to people. And this is part of the reason why it's just, it doesn't sit well with me. So back to the, to the, um, there's a song, there's a lyric, back to the hand. I know, I know, I know. All right. There's a phrase that says, um, don't bite the hand that feeds you. And that is set up for us to think about, you don't be the dog that bite the hands that, that feed you. I think that's been, you know, it's clean, clean, cut and clear. And most people understand what that is. If someone's trying to help you, you know, don't, don't, be toxic towards them, be appreciative. And so, but we don't talk a lot about why the person is feeding a dog that's going to bite them in the first place. And that lets me know that there's certain criteria that we need to look out for, right? Now, there's going to be some quote unquote divine feminine who's going to want to fight me tooth and nail and be like, you know what? We have to love all dogs. We have to love the bulldogs. We have to love the dogs that have rabies. We have to ha- love the dogs um, that that are chihuahuas that are going to try to bite you. We have to love all dogs, the, the, the cute ones, the furry ones, you know, but it, it wouldn't be right for you to not feed that dog. Listen, one thing I have learned with this journey is if you want to fight me to be right, then you can be right, right? Um, At the end of the day, I can just be an oracle, really, and just um, highlight you and let you know what the game is. And um, if you still choose to go down that path um, with that type of thinking, it's going to cost you, you know, but don't say I didn't tell you. And so we have to examine, you know, And understand, I'm going to preface it by this. I'm going to say, understand that I'm learning and dealing with um, what unconditional love means, right? And what conditional help means and what conditional charity means. And um, I kind of shared in another podcast, I don't remember which one it was at this point, what conditional charity meant to me in terms of um, if I'm going to give you something, I no longer give anything for free. 
I have to get something in exchange that's based on my level of consciousness right now. Um, and so that means that I have to plant it into for- fertile soil. That means that um, I'm not just going to give a, like, for example, a scholarship to just anyone. You have to show that you've been getting consistent A's, that you've been, you know, attendance, that your attendance is high or that you have certain views on a, on a topic you know, I would probably look at like essays on what you believe about redlining or how you would solve redlining or what are your thoughts on reparations or how to solve medical apartheid. And I would pick the best, you know, best essays. And then that's who would get the scholarship. It has to, it has to go into something that has value because what I'm finding is, you know, what got us in this situation that we're going through is this type of person, the red flags were there. All of the flags, all of the red flags that this person, that these people were, had rabies was there. And it's so funny because, you know, we always going to have, we're always going to have people that when they feed the lion or they try to put their hand inside the lion and they pull back a nub, we're like, that was dumb, right? I think Cat Williams, one of my favorite comedians, he has a whole skit about how, you know, the lions are just in there being lions, right? That's the point I'm trying to tell you. They're in there being what they are. They're being lions. All of the evidence is there is that it's, it's a ferocious animal. All of the signs that this dog is going to bite your hand is there. It's frothing at the teeth. It's rabid. It's snapping. It's low vibrational. It's toxic. The signs are there before you reach your hand in and pull back that nub. I'm trying to tell you, right? And he, Cat uh, Williams t- t- talks about how... Um, you know, there's that one person who just wants to to pet the lion and you're going to get your life snatched or you're going to pull back some nubs or some stubs, right? And so in hindsight, you know, it's kind of sad because, but this had to happen um, because there's, we're talking about breaking generational curses. And so my parents have acquired properties. They have different land or whatever and the adults children are looking at the you know all of the different scenarios and what goes into property management and contract law and in this case who the tenant is and when and as we're trying to resolve things right um i am speaking coded but i i promise you maybe in the next um we're in we're in february I don't know, but but I will have a follow-up series on this, trust and believe. And when I tell you I'm going to drag them, I'm going to continue to drag them. Um, but all of the signs were there that this per- these people were not going to be good tenants. And it's so funny because as we're going through the, the information now, um, uh, remember I mentioned that some of them are going to be giving you their sob stories, right? And when I tell you they had sob stories, I mean, they got the mother-in-law involved and she's at the house on their behalf advocating for these. <laughs> and and um, so in the process of all of this, we're looking through the um, the messages and correspondence and they sent us a, a, a text message saying like, 
you know, we are so grateful. We're going to make sure we, get, we take care of the lawn and we're going to look out for the property as if it's our own. And um, we are just so grateful, my wife and I and the kids. And and um, the, the one of the mistakes was, among so many, but I, I feel comfortable mentioning here, is um, the property my parents being Christians trying to do the right thing for other Christians, right? Let them tell it. Um, they, they charge $300 below what the market value is. And, um, I have learned certain things when I, uh, was licensed as a, as a realtor and that type of thing. That's a huge no, no too. Um, or, or there's better ways to deal with that. But, um, and I won't have time to get into all of that right now. Um, in another podcast, I will talk about how when you do the investment properties, how to keep the um, the rent at current market value um, and and a strategy that I learned from my realtor um, to 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 make that work for you. But so not so already off the rip, they're paying three hundred dollars less per month. Um, I won't, yeah, let me, let me, let me hold back on that other, other, other stuff, but fast forward, when I tell you these people are biting the hand that feeds you, if I tell you that they went one whole year without paying their rent, and right now we have an eviction moratorium going on. I think this is one of the worst times to be a landlord. Um, and this one, I think that I haven't really been pushing real estate for a while. Like I said, I'm learning so much. Um, I don't know that we'll ever go through this again. I know that the last time we had real estate um, crash, market crash was closer to 2008. And it was funny because I had bought my first home right around that time. And I actually walked into equity. I remember I was at the gym and I was talking to this, it was this Asian guy. He was my, he's my brother's friend, but, um, he was, we were, and I loved it. Cause that's, Hey, I'm part of home ownership. Now I'm, I'm grown. I got my own bar, my own house, signed the mortgage in the, in the kitchen, you know, I could still hear the birds singing when I signed the contract and got the keys to my house and everything but um and so we were having grown folk conversations and stuff and so he was talking about how he was worried about the his property value so here me but I've I've learned (laughs) kind of to just be I was like um I was like well I walked into x amount of, of equity like as soon as I bought my house equity like skyrocketed through the you know it it was good and so, um, but kind of got sidetracked a little bit, but, um, yeah, dealing with these people, like, oh yeah, I was talking about the, the market crash. And so I think that there's lessons to be learned. And I think that it's one of those things where it's interesting to see how many landlords are still in the game, especially within the last, maybe what, 18 months. Can we say 18 months? Are we closer to 24 months? I would say within the last 18 months, if you are still in the game as a landlord, that is a testament to, you know, how well, and I hope that as you're listening to this, you're thinking of what this means for your future. 
and how you're going to plan. And it's not something to be taken lightly. But if you're still in the game, you know, it says a lot to how you um, prepared the soil and how you planned for hard times. One of the things I learned from my um, my real estate broker is he studied um, how to prepare for the highs and the lows so that he could capitalize when the market went down and capitalize when the market went up, which actually a good book for you to read since, you know, I am a little bit of a bookworm. Um, the Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Uh, that's a really good one. Um, I have both of the books there in storage right now, but that's a really good book. It's really easy to read. I actually took a class um, in, in university, but I took it as a standalone to learn. And she reviewed those books with us. But, um, you, you, you know, if, if you're not careful with contract law, right? This is not one of those situations where it's kind of like you have the capital and you make stupid mistakes where you don't really pay attention to the contract. And then, um, you don't cover your bases for all of the situations. This is the time where you spend the money for the lawyers. And my parents do have a lawyer. That's one of the, <laughs> I tease my dad. Cause, um, yeah, he, um, he still, um, doesn't see how wealthy and valuable he is. Um, they're from, my parents came from very humble beginnings. Um, I'm the bougie daughter. So, <laughs> Um, and so, but I had to remind them, like, you know, sometimes, and I will say this, but, but it, it's in the hope of helping you, but, um, he, he has a little bit feels guilty, like he's bothering them. And I'm like, uh, even with the realtor, right. Uh, that 3% comes out to like, almost if I say 30 grand and I said, okay, so you're paying this, this realtor 30 grand to to you know handle this stuff for you and you're scared to send him a text so if you only send him one text during this whole transaction um he will have gotten paid thirty thousand dollars for the one text i'm like you better get your money's worth ask all the questions um you know and get and so he you know started to think about it that way and the same thing it's kind of like same language he didn't want to call the lawyer because he didn't want to bother them and so but now he's getting better to where he'll call him first thing in the morning and ask all the questions and get his money's worth right but that's coming out of christianity like poverty mindset type of a thing so um that's 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 another part too you you know it's worth it if you're going to spend that much money you need to have a lawyer look over the the contract that you're going to have with your tenants and it needs to cover everything um and i do mean everything and it's one of those things um where i know exactly now what to look for and it's one of those things where you know uh, I talked a little bit about the importance of contract law, but I'm also wanting to identify like what a person that will do you harm will do. I think that it's not divine for you to go into contract or to put yourself in situations with people that will do you harm. I actually think that's low vibrational. I, I said it. It took me 23 minutes, but it, I think it's low vibrational for you to pet a dog that has rabies. 
you know, or to go into contract law. So there's going to be a lot of people out there, especially after this wave of um, eviction moratorium. Listen, if you have been janky with your landlords, um, I understand that there are going to be people who um, had difficult times and they really truly lost their job. But I'm just, I'm just appealing to you, like pay attention how you treat your landlord. If you're really going through hard times, this is not the time to bite the hand. This is not the time for you to be nasty and mean because I'm telling future tenant, like future landlords, if they, if always, if these people have rented before, ask to call their previous landlord. And don't just ask for the information, call their landlord, their previous landlord, and find out what the hell went wrong. So, and what's going to happen is with these eviction moratorium um, things is it, I think it depends. Um, I have to brush up on the laws and what's going on, but it um, it's possible that, that they won't necessarily report it on your credit or hold it against you, or you won't have a civil judgment against you. But um, um, with that being said, future landlords, I promise you, you know, they're, they're, you're probably um, going to get a property manager or something, or if you're doing it for yourself, that you could run this, the, the people's name and find out if they have any eviction problems and that type of thing. I don't know that we did it for these for these tenants, but I'm telling you, I'm pro- I promise you in the future, because um, I, I used to work with a nonprofit and that's how I learned. I went down to the courthouse and everything and learned a little bit about the pro- process. But one of the things you're going to want to look for is um, when they submit their application for the property, ask for the last three or four or however many, but I I would say at least three landlords that they have had, ask for it, kind of like the same thing you would ask for a a, um, reference on a interview, on on a resume. I am getting tired. I've been doing a lot of podcasts and I'm getting a little sleepy. So, but, and call them and call them and find out what the relationship was with the, um, with the, with the tenant, because they're going to tell you if they got nasty, if they, um, tore up your house, you know, tore up the house when they left. Um, because you do not want to get in a situation where they, where they buy you. I'm going to run out of time, but I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of insight. I don't think that everybody should be getting help. And I'm going to tell you that some of these people, they're going to be coming at you with, um, eviction stories and boohoo stories arm yourself, protect yourself, because it can cost you thousands. And I dare say close to a million or millions. Okay. Not, this is not. And so, you know, like I said, I I have given advice that I can stand on and, and say with my whole entire chest. And I know it's controversial or considered petty or not divine or, or I'm being a little too savage with the truth. And, um, but I'm going to tell you, like, you can fight me and you can tell, you know, tell yourself and other people, oh, I'm going to deliberately now go out and prance in front of you and show you how kind and loving I am and understanding I am to these people who got evicted and buy their whole sob story. And you better hope, okay, because I'm telling you it's a lion. I'm telling you that you need to be careful 
Um, and one of the, the best ways that I can think of right now is call, call and find out who their landlords were. And you even have to be careful with that too, because, you know, for all you know that they, they could be calling the friend. So do your due diligence, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, don't pet any rabbit dogs. If it's, if it's showing its teeth and I hope you understand the analogies I'm trying to use, but what I'm trying to say is there are characteristics and things and manipulation that people do. And you're going to have to use your intuition and, and ask other people, right? Go on, go on YouTube. There's people who share their stories about being a landlord and equip yourself before you go into a tenant relationship. Um, and, and if another thing that I wanted to say too, is if they don't have the money to help themselves to make the monthly payments, always set your payments to what is fair market value because that is your worth and also if they can't make it that's that's going to be a red flag that's going to be a red flag and i'll probably talk about that in another podcast um what i have come to understand what that that's an indicator of right but um yeah i ran out of time i probably could do another hour another to our segments and and I will be weaving different things to look at as we continue to talk about real estate and prepare ourselves for it. I want to see all of you as landlords, but I want to see you protected. And like I said, this is not even a game at this point. And um, it's just unfortunate because these people went from being Christian and just so appreciative and bought the sob story and trying to help them. So we're completely undermining how much, you know, um, to even charge them that we weren't even charging the worth. And when I tell you trying to bite the hand that feeds you, and I would not want any of you to, to hire this person, um, hire this person to, to get this person as a tenant, right? So as we're wrapping up here in the last couple of seconds, yes, be careful, you know, that you don't bite the hand that feeds you, but pay attention. What kind of dog are you trying to pet? What kind of dog are you trying to feed? Because you are responsible for that, right? And you need to do your due diligence because you're going to pull back a nub or a stub. Okay. Ruff, ruff. <laughs> hey, Divine Pill fam. Listen, I'm about to fall asleep. But, um, I like to reflect on the messages I put out just to make sure I um dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's. And one of the things I was building up to to um drive home but um it's absolutely critical that i think you also understand is i was talking about how the market crashed and part of your survival in real estate is being able to plan for the ups and the downs remember i was talking about the um a good book for you to read is the millionaire real estate agent um he has several other books i have two of them um but his whole collection is really good and very easy to read uh, like don't don't be intimidated at all it's actually one of the best books to read but um one of the ways that you're going to um uh survive um the ups and downs and is 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 the quality of the tenant it is going to be contingent on the quality of the contract. Okay. I want you to think of every possible, I mean, every possible scenario that can happen um, 
um, and address it in your contract. Don't be shy about making about how long it's going to be or, you know, how much work a, a lawyer has to look into it. Make sure that, you know, everything on that piece of paper is going to determine on how much money you're going to lose at the end if things go bad. You know, plan for the, like, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. And so with that being said, the contract is very important if I didn't really drive that point home. But the quality of the tenant is very important. And so um, I would say, uh, you know, I do want to do a separate podcast about what it means to help a tenant um, and and creative ways to do it. Um, but um, lowering the rent or charging less for the rent or um, falling for any and every um, sob story is not the way to do it. It will cost you. Uh, when you call the previous landlords, and I did mention that some of them could be so manipulative manipulative as to list their friend as the landlord. So you're going to have to check, you know, and ask questions of that landlord to see what the, the property was and, you know, how long they've had, you know, just different things to make sure that you're also making sure that they didn't list their friend. And so then that's why you might want to have them list two and three landlords um, that they've been with um, is, is just one thing. And then also, um, I would say if the numbers don't work, like at that point, they're just pulling your leg um, and, and just take the red flags for what they are. But what allows you, you know, another uh, indicator of a quality tenant is somebody who has a stable job history. Okay, those things matter. Those things count, because when we talk about the ups and downs and the, and the market crashing, one of the things that I, I didn't really get to address was, um, you know, if, if this person, you can look at what, what sector they're in, if they're in the medical field or what their profession is and how long they've been there, because the likelihood is, is that they will be able to go through the rough times and they're, they're not just going to walk off the job or be inconsistent. If they have three months here, six months here, one year here, two years here, and it's spotty and there's gaps between their work history, you might end up holding a bag, you know, and there's even laws. Like I remember when I was working at the nonprofit, um, I was, I was working with someone who was a little bit more knowledgeable about how there are people who know the laws and they will scheme and scam you. And so it was interesting for me to be, you know, kind of naive and growing up sheltered and wanting to still believe in people. And the person that was working with me and mentoring me and, and grooming me to, to step into a position to, to help people, she's like, no, this person is lying. They know that if they pay for three months, um, you now go over into this contract you know it, it kind of creates a binding contract and and then um they will stop payments and and they've crossed that threshold where they can't get evicted or or um you have to like really have some balls or ovaries to you because um it's stuff like for example um if if you accept one late payment okay and so uh, if you accept one late payment, you are setting the, the precedence that 
you accept late payments. And I have seen this on TV, but I've also, I remember I went to the courthouse and I was listening to different cases and different stories. And also, like I said, when I was working with the nonprofit and you start to hear how, you know, you can be out thousands of dollars because you already accepted one late payment. You turned a blind eye to it. And so I remember when I was, um, still trying to do the right thing and and help everybody and everybody right um i would feel like the laws were so ruthless it's like wow this person just moved in and they were 30 days late like oh okay i i got one for you i got one for you um so went to the courthouse and i had another person who was interning with me also um and one of the stories and at the time it was heartbreaking right? But it was a couple. And I didn't also, as I'm thinking about it, I didn't know what a mule was. It was an Hispanic couple. And, um, and so the wife, this is this, the wife was working, the husband was not working, and they had two small children. And the story that they were saying is that, you know, Christmas is coming. And, and, this is the thing. They were in a trailer park. So, um, it, or it wasn't like a trailer park. It was like a, um, a, a RV park. It was an RV park and they had to pay $40 a month. It was either $40 a month or $40 a week. It was something like that. And so she was, um, telling the judge that, you know, she has two little kids and she's been working and her husband can't work. And I remember his body language and the way he was standing there and, you know, she's doing all of the talking. So he was basically muling her. Um, and, uh, and so they, uh, it got to the point where she, she, I don't know, something happened with her job and, she, um, her hours got cut or something like that. And so she, um, long story short, it has something to do with the, the, the property manager who was overseeing that, the, the collecting the rent for that place, the law or their, their contract said that if you were three days late, they would remove you from the property. If you, and I remember thinking like, damn, three days late, like that's cold blooded, bruh. So, um, uh, she somehow got the payment and she had gotten the notice that she was one day late. And then she said something about by the time it was the, the day of the third day, um, she went to put the payment in and the person had already left for the day. So she, the, the office closed at, let's just say like at five or six and she got there at six Oh five, like some crazy crap like that. And so she was arguing that she made the payment on the third day, but the person had already left the office for the day. And do you know that they, um, they upheld that. But the thing is when the, this was absolutely fascinating, the, um, property person who was the property manager, um, cause some of you who go into real estate, you might decide that you might want to have a property management people do it for you. They actually charge reasonable prices. Um, and, um, if you're new to it, it might be worth you investing in getting a property manager. Um, 
but same thing too, you want to vet property managers because some of them don't um, do a very good job. I know my boss, he had a beautiful cabin um, and um, the property manager fumbled and it ended up costing him thousands. Like if I say it costs like 30,000 for them to just to repair the damage that was done by the the landlords that were there. Um, And he thought that because he had a property manager, but I say all of that to say the property manager, it was a, it was a woman and she's like, I feel so bad. She, you know, she heard the story. She understands that the two kids are in the um, RV and um, she's like, your honor, I feel so bad. I understand. I am the property manager. I'm not the landlord. And um, uh, we stick within the confines. They pay us to manage the property. And we have the rules, she said, because in the past, if we let them stay, you know, if we accept that payment and she did it, up, up, posted it after business hours, it's going to set the, the precedence that we're going to continue to accept that that um, late payments in the future. And the judge was like, yeah, I understand that is part of, of the law that, you know, for that jurisdiction that he was in. Right? So those type of things matter. Um, and I remember feeling so bad for them, right? But but with that being said, I remember, I don't remember specific cases, but I remember thinking like um, when I was with the nonprofit, the and I was, she would let me listen on the phone and she would tell them like, oh, this is the per- my trainee um, and she's just learning, you know, about how to take in your application and process you. And she's like, yeah, we're not going to take this person on because um, you can tell that they know their laws and they are, they're going to take advantage of this landlord. Because what, what the nonprofit was set up to do was um, they would, they would pay for the tenants to take classes on financial literacy, get them um, to take classes on home ownership and help them with anything else that they needed in terms of getting a job. And um, if they were working with young people, teach them how to to keep their the property clean and whatever, what have you in their, the living spaces and whatnot. It was a really beautiful program. And, um, and they were going to partner with people like as what I would have considered myself with landlords who wanted to help people that um, maybe had two or three evictions on their record. Right. And so then part of what she did is she was the mediator. She um, because there's so much that goes into that process. Right. Um, that I don't have time to go into, but there's so many things that affect your life when you have the eviction but what it is is she has developed the understanding of what the sob stories sound like and what the um the authentic situations sound like and so I mean if you lose your job you lose your job right and if you don't have family to stay with then you don't have family to stay with but you start to to develop an air for who is working to get themselves out of that situation. And um, at the end of the day, you want to protect the landlord because the landlord is trying to help you get back on the right track. And um, so 
I say all of that to say that the quality of your tenant matters and you might go into it trying to be love and light and do the right thing. But these are, there are some people that are low vibrational and um, are not quality. I, I kind of want to address this too, and I'm going to close out. But one of the things I learned from somebody I, I used to, um, that, that I, I observed and they were supposed to be wealthy, but long story short, when I was selling my house, I, I, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to give away my furniture. Is there some family? And she's like, you know, I don't do that. She's like, I know you want to help, but you need to charge them for the furniture because they're not going to value it. Right. And I ended up charging them five, like a hundred dollars for three piece set. It was fairly brand new like I barely was in the living room my tenant would use it but I stayed mostly in the master bedroom and I was at work a lot and I was gonna I bought ended up buying new furniture for the place I was going but um but she's and that made me think she's like she's like I know you want to help people but they're not gonna value you giving it to them if you give it to them they're gonna trash it um and, um, but if you charge them, they might appreciate the value a little bit more. She explained that to me. And that's around the time I started to understand that I'm responsible for where I put my seeds. They were supposed to be wealthy people, but it was this whole idea that you're not going to just give your money to any and everybody. At the end of the day, whether you believe it or not, you are responsible for planting your seed in fertile soil. I talked a little bit um, in another podcast about how you wouldn't just try to plant an orange seed um, in soil that's very rock and mostly rocky. It wouldn't grow. But we do that with our investments and with our charity all the time, right? You, that's what I mean by you help people who are helping themselves. You help, you know, our young people, if they're taking classes, pay for that, pay for their classes. They're in the classes. They're developing themselves you can always pay a waitress or a waiter because they're on the job they're working that's so much better than just handing it to somebody on the street I know that might trigger some of you a little bit but you've got to start thinking about where you're putting your money and it has to return back to you and and in the book um uh, by Evie Ingram Wells of Abundance uh, within, if you listen to the audiobook, I want to say within the first five minutes, I might, I was just flabbergasted, but does a, the person, you know, I was reading the book, they do a really good job or the author did a good job of it, of explaining to you what happens with the laws of con- compensation and laws of reciprocity. When you put some, you know, put your energy or anything or currency into something that's void, it will take away back from you and it will cost you. And I'm, I'm living an example of that, right? And I've seen it in other areas. And so that that's why I never give anything for free. I will always require something of equal energy exchange, right? Um, kind of shared a little bit about how um, I made the mistake of giving a friend a free oracle reading and um, having the course corrected. And so the next Oracle reading is going to be in exchange for feedback on how I set up the platform to book my, my, um, Oracle messages. Right. Um, and so it's going to be of equal value that that information is valuable that I can use 
to market myself, but, um, no. And so hopefully, you know, I will have to address it, but, and it's a reasonable price. You guys are going to see it, but, um, it's, it's reasonable for what, you know, what I'm the, the, the reading that I'm going to do, but, you know, I say all that to say it doesn't always have to be monetary, but there has to be an exchange. There has to be an ebb and flow. And you can't just give into something. And I know that can trigger some people. And I know that's why I put savage in the title, because we have always tiptoed on this idea that it needs to be unconditional to give without expecting anything in return. And I'm proposing to you that that's not actually not probably not divine. Um, Probably we'll get a little bit of heat and smoke for it. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to fight a battle, I'm going to tell you the truth. It could be a half truth. um, But if it's going to protect you and protect your assets, and if you plan to pass, you know, that money on to your children and and create generational wealth and i can protect you then that's that that i will have done my job even though i had to be a little bit of a um imp on your shoulder so i'm gonna go to bed now peace